Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate teen mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi guys, welcome back. It's me, your girl Liz. Sorry I took off last week. Um, As you probably know if you saw it in the episode description, one of my uh, close friends overdosed and died. It sucked. (laughs) It was really shitty. Um, I had a really shitty two weeks. It was really sad. I don't really want to cry right now, but I might. I don't know. Um, I just, like, literally could not bring myself to record last week. Like, I just... I couldn't watch the episode, I couldn't take notes, I couldn't get on the microphone and just, like, talk about Teen Mom. Thankfully, like, last week was a really shitty episode and I truly didn't miss almost anything worth talking about. I'll address, like, there's, like, one or two things that I want to talk about in Janelle's segment from last week, but that's literally it. Um... But yeah, it was really, really shitty. Uh, My friend Christina died. I've talked about her on the podcast. Uh, There was one time she was going to come on the podcast because she was at my house and I had to like take notes and record and she watches Team Mom, but like she doesn't like super keep up with it. And I remember we watched the episode together and we took notes, but I don't think she recorded the episode with me. I'm pretty sure she didn't. I'm pretty sure we didn't record the episode together, but I don't know if you've recently listened to old episodes and my friend Christina was on, like, let me know what episode it was, but I'm, like, pretty positive she didn't, but I definitely talked about her and how we both thought that Leah was still getting high and looking high. Um, I talked about her a lot when it came to Ryan and the Edwards and how I had talked to her mom and her mom, like, I had told her mom that her, she needed to cut her off and needed to, like, create a bottom for her and she told me, like, I need to do what I have to do because my daughter could die. Um, it's that friend and she's dead now, so that sucks. Um, look, I know this is, like, a downer and I know this sucks, but, like, I don't know how to get on this podcast in which, like, I talk so much about addiction in my life and, like, not talk about the fact that, like, one of my close friends, like, overdosed and died last week. And, you know, it's especially relevant to this show, I think, because there's a lot of drug addiction on the show. And, like, obviously, I talk about drug addiction a lot in general, but it just... It just fucking sucks. Like, it just sucks so much to have a friend die and a friend that you tried to help so fucking bad. I drove her to so many detoxes, to so many rehabs, from a halfway house to halfway house. I mean, she, like, I would beg her to come live on my couch, like, to get out of the situation she was living in. I... God, if I could have, like, physically forced her to stay sober, like, (laughs) 
I would have. There were times where I just wanted to like tie her down and make her stay sober. But like that's not how it works and I couldn't do that. And now she's dead and that fucking sucks and I'm really fucking sad about it. And just before I want to get into the episode, I just want to say that everybody should listen to This American Life this week. Um, I think the podcast, like the podcast version of it comes out today, Sunday, That not today that I'm recording, but today that you're listening. And the first half of it, the, it's only two acts this week. And the first act is on this podcast I listen to called Dopey. And it's a recovery slash drug-based podcast. I've talked about the podcast on here before, I think think I'm assuming I did because Amber actually went on it like back in not back in the day like six months ago but um this American Life did a whole act on it like a 25 minute act and it just really sums up a lot of how I'm feeling about addiction and recovery and life and death and like I listened to it last night um because like before it comes out on the podcast they have it available on the website like, on WBZ's website, and it, like, I just spent all last night crying, like, for hours. I was, like, so sad. I was texting with my old roommate from Florida, and I, like, was sending all these crazy texts, and then I was, like, oh, my God, like, (laughs) does she think I'm getting hot, like, gonna get high? And I was, like, you know I'm, like, not gonna get high, right? Like, I really don't even feel close to relapse. I'm just, like, talking to you about addiction. She was, like, yeah, no, no, I get it, which, like, thank God for friends that are in recovery, but I was, like, sending her all these texts just like on my meditations on life and death and um I was like oh my god she can't hear my voice and like (laughs) I was like really like I like looked back at them after I sent like a bunch of texts and I was like oh maybe I should clarify just in case she can't tell the tone of what these are but I just like I've been thinking a lot about death and how close to death I am at all times which is like very weird because I don't actually feel close to death at all times because the fact is like I don't do drugs you know like I haven't done a drug in over four and a half years um so like on one hand I don't feel close to death at all but then on the other hand like I at all times live with this thing that like if I use drugs again like I could die like immediately and that's like weird and scary and I just been, I don't know, you know, you lose somebody and like, you just meditate on life and death. And this is like the darkest thing that I could be talking about. I understand. I'm sorry. I just, it kind of feels good to talk about it. Um, it feels good to talk about like the fact that, you know, that like I live with a terminal disease <laughs> because that's what addiction is. Addiction is a terminal disease. And I am lucky and fortunate enough to be in recovery from it. But, like, at any, it's possible that, like, I won't always be in recovery from it. Like, I could die. And it just, it's scary sometimes. And, like, you know, you hear people and it's like, recovery must be so hard. People say it, like, they're like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Like, that must be so hard. Like, most of the time, like, it doesn't feel hard at all. Like, it doesn't feel hard to be in recovery and I feel so grateful for my recovery but like these last two weeks it's been really hard and it's felt really hard to to just think like I 
I don't know that I could just like be trapped in addiction again and like that I could die. <laughs> I need to stop. I'm going to take a five minute break and then I'm going to come back and record this. I like part of me is like I should just start again and not include any of this but I don't know. Then I also this is so sick but I want to say this out loud. Sometimes I think about like if I do if I was to die like it's kind of cool that like hours and hours I mean I've done how many podcasts? Like over a hundred podcasts and all my podcasts are over an hour long. So there's like, and I mean, some of my, a lot of my podcasts are like three hours long. So it's like kind of cool that there's like literally hundreds of hours of my voice and like my thoughts and feelings on a lot of things like out there. And I have this like kind of unique platform to like reach a lot of people. And I know this has nothing to do with teen mom, but like, this is my podcast and I kind of just want to like put out me crying about addiction and like how scary it is and like how 99% of the time I don't feel scared but then somebody that I love dies and it feels really scary and it just like it just hits you like how like if I did heroin one more time I could just die and that's like it's terrifying to live with and it feels unfair that I have to live with it. You know, like most of the time it doesn't feel that unfair and I'm like fine with the fact that I can't drink or do drugs and like that I have to live completely sober and like that's okay, but sometimes it just feels really scary. And I also just like haven't been to enough meetings lately and <laughs> clearly like that's the solution to this is that I need to go to a fucking meeting and okay, I'm going to take two minutes. I'm going to go so I'm going to stop crying and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about Teen Mom and I'm going to put in the show notes what time this is so people, <laughs> this is too late. You've now listened to nine hour, nine minutes of me crying, but I'm going to put in the show notes that if people don't want to listen to this, they can skip to a certain time. Okay, let's move on from that. <laughs> I don't know. Should I cut it? Yeah. Am I going to? No. Um, things that are going on, nothing's going on in Teen Mom World. Besides, like, Ryan got arrested, right? He's still, for walking out on a bar tab that was $36? I don't know, very weird. Um, apparently he had six Jack and Cokes in the middle of the day in December, which is not great. And then he's being held in jail because he had a warrant for something that had happened in 2017 related to heroin. So he's in jail till I think a court court date in April. So that sucks for him. Um, it's pretty concerning that he had six drinks in the middle of the day. I feel like he probably, I guess would be like, he didn't mean to walk out. Like Ryan is $36, right? Like I don't think Ryan would like not have $36 to pay for a bar tab. It seems unlikely to me. Um, that's, like, not really the concerning part to me that he, like, walked out on a bar tab or whatever. What's concerning to me is apparently he was there from, like, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Just, like, ripping back Jack. Like, not great. <laughs> it's not a great look for somebody that has a newborn child at home and is a drug addict. Um, Mackenzie's been, I think, MIA since then. I don't think she's posted anything. Also, a lot of people tagged me or sent me this Instagram post that Dakota made that uh, 
Bristol was his real estate agent and like how great she was. And I'm not really sure how many times that I can tell you that I'm right, but I'm always right that Bristol and Dakota have been back together since the reunion. If not back together, they've been fucking since the reunion. I'm like so sure of this, so deep in my veins. You know, Dakota and Bristol are fucking. But that's really all that's going on. Um, Janelle literally just posted a video to her Instagram. Maybe I'll upload it to my Instagram, to her stories where David openly, <laughs> openly says, I just took an Adderall. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like, why would you post that online? <laughs> so stupid. And I saw people being like, they must take Jace's Adderall. Like, if you guys don't think that Janelle has her own fucking way to get Adderall. First of all, Barbara only sends over, like, the amount of pills that he needs for each visit. And they don't take his Adderall because they send it back. We've seen on TV that Janelle sends the pills back. And that's how Barbara knows that Jace doesn't take his medicine when he's there, remember? And second of all, like... Janelle has an Adderall prescription. David probably has an Adderall prescription. They probably got one for Kaiser and Ensley, too. There's multiple prescriptions. Janelle loves prescriptions. She loves a prescription drug. I was asking the group chat if I thought, um, if they thought that, what's her face, Janelle and David were anti-vaxxers because it came out that Kale's an anti-vaxxer. I can't remember if I've had a podcast since then. It's been a long time. My brain is, as you guys can tell from the first nine minutes of this podcast, my brain is a mess. But um, I kind of think that they might be anti-vaxxers because they probably believe that, like, the government is making children gay through vaccines. Like, David's that type of person. But then I believe Tomlin pointed out, she's like, no, Liz, Janelle loves doctors. Are you kidding me? She loves being on prescription pills and she loves doctors. And I was like, you know what? Touche, Tomlin. You're absolutely right. <laughs> like, uh, 100% Janelle loves a doctor and loves a prescription. So is she an anti-vaxxer? I don't know. I'd be curious to see if Ensley is vaxxed or not. I bet, like, David's anti-vaccinations, but, like, they also aren't, like, actively anti-vaccinations in that they're like, yeah, fuck vaccines. But then they take the kids to the doctor and the doctor's like, should we give them their shots? And they're like, yeah, sure. Anyway. Yeah, so apparently David abuses Adderall, which, like, should be a surprise to no one. Um, They also were just, like, drinking in the middle of the day today. Janelle drinks a lot with David, which is concerning because she's never been a big drinker. And it worries me that they're getting wasted with, like, 19 kids at their house and assaulting each other. (laughs) Yikes. Okay, so... The one thing that I wanted to touch on from the two things I wanted to touch on from last week's episode before we get started, Leah's scenes were cut together very weird in a lot of ADR, like voiceovers. Um, You can always tell, I think the issue with Leah, I feel like Leah has more like voiceover scenes than anybody, like where they have her in the clip, but you don't see her talking. Her voice sounds weird. I think it's because Leah... (laughs) This is really rude. I think Leah isn't very bright, as we all know. And I think it's hard. I think MTV feels that it will be hard to follow her storylines. Um, and, like, the way that she's talking to people is never clear. So they have to go back in and, like, splice in audio so that the audience will understand what's happening. 
That's my theory on that. Like, they constantly are doing this with Leah, and I've noticed it's in scenes where she's, like, explaining stuff about Allie, and she's always speaking slowly and very clearly in these moments. So I'm wondering if they just feel like her normal speaking in the way that she speaks to Corey or her boyfriend just isn't very clear for the audience. (laughs) So they make her, like, cut, they make her re-record a lot of lines in post. Also... Barbara and Janelle are out of their fucking skulls. When Barbara picks up Jace and she's like, isn't it so great that mommy and that me and mommy are getting along? Like, Barbara, come the fuck on. The amount of Barbara defending that I've seen online is, well, it's always hilarious, but now there's this new spin where people are, like, saying that Barbara's only staying close with Janelle, like, to get evidence against her to use in court. Or so that she can protect her from David. Like, there are all these crazy conspiracy theories about why Barbara's, like, close with Janelle again. And I don't really understand why people don't get that Barbara's close with Janelle again. Because she loves drama and dysfunction. (laughs) Because she plays into the Janelle craziness just like Janelle plays into the Barbara craziness. And so when Barbara asks Jace, like, aren't you so glad we're, like, we're getting along again? It's like, don't make Jace part of this. What do you, so what does she say when they're not getting along? Well, you know, mommy and I aren't getting along because she's a dumb bitch, which is probably exactly what she says. And it's why Jace says stuff like he thinks mommy and David are pieces of shit. And then he spits because like, this is how Barbara talks to him. That was just a little something that, and it was so quick, but I was like, ugh. I also want to talk about Andrew. Um, Andrew claims he has a bachelor's degree from the University of Southern California, which is a very good and very expensive college, and I don't think he's telling the truth. Um, do I think maybe he did a semester at USC? Probably not. <laughs> like, I, at last thing I heard about Andrew is that he had had a second son in Florida, and he has a name that's very similar to Jace, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but Jace has a little brother and that wasn't that long ago like 2014 or 2015 maybe so I'm not sure like when he went from Florida to USC and it was such like a a weird throwaway line and brag that I was like what and then he said he has a union job which like if that's true good for him he I liked when he said that he mentioned, like, Janelle was evil for keeping Jace away from him. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, I also thought it was very funny that Janelle was kind of presenting this to us as if she had any say over Jace seeing, over Andrew seeing Jace. Like, of course it's all Barbara's decision. Like, Jace has no part in, like, Barbara's, excuse me, Janelle has no part in this. She's like, well, I don't want Andrew in and out of his life. And, I did think it was funny that Barbara was just, like, kind of a, not disagreeing with her. You know what I mean? And she was just like, well, I'll go up and I'll meet with him and then I'll see if Jason go. <laughs> she, like, really didn't give a fuck. Um, Janelle also said something about the relationship with Andrew being abusive, too. And it it was hard to tell. I'm pretty sure what she meant was, like, he was an asshole and he was abusive, or she could have meant, like, he was abusive, like, all of my boyfriends are abusive. Or she could have meant 
you know, he's abusive like David is abusive, but I don't think she would say that on camera. So, yeah, that's, I think, it from last week's episode. Um, Last week's episode was, like, really bad. Oh, did we talk about on here that... (laughs) Oh, I guess we didn't. That Kale... Okay, that... I don't know. Did we talk about this? Yeah, because it happened last Saturday that Barbara went on Instagram Live and said that she was going to kill Kale. But she was, like, so drunk. She was with Janelle. She was so drunk. She clearly didn't mean it. And now Kale is, like, refusing to film. But, like, please... Kale's never quitting this fucking show. Never. Kale is, I was going to say she's not stupid, but, like, she is stupid. Kale cares about money. Um, (laughs) there is no way that Kale isn't going to film. And she has to be out of her fucking school if she thinks MTV will pick her over Janelle. None of these girls, like, have any weight against Janelle. And, And, like, I get what Kale's saying, that she finds it very frustrating that, like, David and Janelle can do whatever the fuck they want and there are no consequences, except... David got kicked off the show and I get what Kale like Kale was saying I don't even want to be I don't want to go to a reunion that David's at because like yeah he's not allowed to be on set but like there's no security in the hotel like he's allowed to be in the hotel like he'll know where I'm staying and like I can understand that like I if I'm one of the moms like I don't want to be in the same state as David like I'm never going to North Carolina because like I don't want to be anywhere near David but first of all Kale like literally got into a physical fight last year at the reunion um yeah Brittany pulled her hair but or I guess Brie pulled her hair first I can't remember um but if you'll remember Kale tried to fight Brie first when they were like in that room off camera so and leading up to the reunion she was talking so much shit about how she wanted to fight Brie so for Kale to be like they're making this trash like I can't, I'm not safe, and she tried to get Brianna fired, and now she's trying to get Janelle fired, and Kale's like, I don't need this show, I have my hair care line, and it's like, bitch, your hair care line is not doing enough to, like, to make it so you can live your life, like, please, please, and she's like, I write books, and it's like, okay, like, yeah, you do, but can you live off the proceeds of those books, like, I have a feeling you cannot, um, so I just think it's very funny that Kale thinks that we believe that she won't film anymore. Now, if she doesn't film anymore, sure, I'll get on here and I'll say I was wrong. But I really don't see that happening. Um, Yeah, she said on her podcast, and that's when she also said that she was uh, anti-vax, and that Lincoln... No, Isaac is fully vaccinated because she didn't know any better then. Lincoln got the vaccinations that Kale felt were necessary, but that was when she started to research and she watched a documentary on Netflix um, that she felt was really great and really educated her. And now Lux has no vaccines. Now, lots of people brought up, but I thought she said that he couldn't be around anybody because he didn't have his shots yet at the reunion last year. Of course she said it, but Kale talks just to talk and lies just to lie. Um, I think it's crazy that she, like, went on her podcast and said she was anti-vax. I, yeah, I can't imagine, um, if I was anti-vax, like, getting on my podcast and saying so, and, like, bringing that heat on my podcast. Like, there's lots of shit that I don't say on here. I mean, I'm not, obviously, I'm not anti-vax, but, like, I have more, like, I've, like, I self-edit myself in on certain controversial topics and, like, don't bring them up or stop myself from talking about them 
because like I just don't want to bring that heat onto the podcast. Um, although apparently, by the way, guys, in that episode I released last week, that Janelle 16 pregnant episode with Troy, I literally haven't listened to that since I recorded that. I think that was in 2017 that we recorded that. Like, it was a minute ago. I have no idea what we talked about on that episode. So many people were, like, messaging me and commenting about things that I said in that episode. And I was like, I genuinely have no idea what you're talking about. I want to make it clear that I don't think that Jace was drug tested because a Band-Aid was on his foot. That's just what the people say on the internet. I don't think Jace tested positive at for birth for at birth for drugs. I don't think he was tested at all. I just I hope that I made that clear in the episode that I didn't think that like the internet thought that, but like a lot of people commented to me about that and I was like, "Wow, I hope I hope people understand that I'm not that stupid." <laughs> Sometimes people like say stuff to me and I'm like, "Wow, I really did not make myself sound very smart apparently because that seems really stupid if I said that um but yeah I just thought of that because somebody wasn't pleased that I mentioned I guess Colin Kaepernick because I got a weird message about hating Colin Kaepernick and like that obviously I'll talk about on this podcast like I'm obviously liberal I talk a lot about abortion like in my early early days I used to like sign off this show with fuck Donald Trump like but I wouldn't bring a topic as controversial as vaccinations onto my podcast. And that's because Kale's stupid. Um, she's stupid for not vaccinating, but she's also stupid for, like, putting that as a topic on her show. And that's the problem with Kale. And I actually, I think I've said it on record. I love, by the way, calling this podcast, like, when I say on record, like, this is a record. And it kind of is because, like, these episodes will exist for as long as there's, I don't know, iTunes, I guess. Um, but, <laughs> or wherever. They'll be on the Ethernet forever. The Ethernet? That's not the right word. But um, I think that Kale's actually, like, a good podcaster. And when I do listen to her episodes, I find her pretty interesting. And I think she has what I will call the gift of the gab, which I think I have. And most people who do podcasts have um just like the natural ability to talk that kind of sounds cocky to say but like you know there's a reason that I can get like I can sit on this microphone for sometimes an hour and a half by myself it's because like I'm a naturally good talker and I think Kayla's too when I listen to her on the podcast like she can be funny she She's just able to, like, carry a conversation in a way that's intriguing and interesting to listen to. But Lindsay Chrisley is so fucking stupid and, like, can't keep a conversation going. And Kale is, like, the smart one on that podcast, which is a real shame because she's an idiot. And if Kale had a good co-host who could, like, lead the, lead the podcast in a way that was more intelligent and, like, I think Kale could have a good podcast, um, but she doesn't, so it's not a very good podcast. I also think, like, if she had a better podcast uh, co-host, they would have been like, you can't say you're anti-vaccination on this. But I don't know. Maybe she liked it because she got a shit ton of press for that. A shit ton of press. So, you know what? Maybe I'm the idiot. Maybe I should become anti-vax and then start an anti-vax podcast. Except nobody really cares about me to, like, you know write articles about literally no article will ever be written about me but 
maybe that's what I'm going to do with this podcast. Just kidding. Vaccinate your children. Okay, let's talk about the episode after a five-second break. I just realized I said it'd be a five-second break, but I do ads now in case you guys didn't notice. That's exciting, isn't it? I mean, you probably skip over them. I skip over a lot of podcast ads. But if you don't, you would notice that I do ads now, so it's probably longer than a five-second break because an ad probably just ran. (laughs) Anyway, let's start with Brianna. This was like an okay episode, right? This was one of those episodes that when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is enjoyable, but I'm just realizing I only have three episodes in notes or three pages of notes, so... I'm guessing not that much actually happened. It's kind of been a dull season so far. But I think the difference between Teen Mom OG and Teen Mom 2 will always be that, like, I enjoy actively watching Teen Mom 2 in a way that I do not enjoy watching Teen Mom OG. I just find everybody on Teen Mom 2 more compelling, more endearing, more enjoyable to watch. And that's not the case at all on Teen Mom OG. I accidentally read a podcast review. I don't read them, but it's a long story. But I accidentally read one, and it was like, she hates the show she's recapping. And my thing is, it's like, don't you hate this show? Don't we all hate this show? Isn't that why we listen to Feathers in My Hair? Because we fucking hate this show, but we cannot stop watching or caring about it. Like, I hate Teen Mom, but it's like, the it's my fandom. Truly, it's my fandom, and I can't stop caring about it, and I'm not sure why. (laughs) I just can't stop. (laughs) I was surprised when I read that, because I think I've always been pretty clear and upfront, like, since episode one, that I hate the the show Teen Mom. Um... Uh, you know, that's, that's my life. I just hate the show Team Mom, but I just, I love the fandom and I love following it and I love talking about it. And that's why I have this podcast. But yeah, I, I don't like the show. I have not liked the show for a long time and I hope you guys are all on the same page with me, <laughs> but I do kind of like Team Mom too. And I enjoyed watching this episode. Okay. So from what I can tell, Nova goes to a charter school, which is why she wears a uniform and it's why it's in a... <laughs> A parking lot? (laughs) It's kind of weird, right? It's just, like, right next door to the Publix. Like, do they get to go outside? Is there a playground? I can't... I can't quite figure it out. It's kind of weird. But it's Nova's first day of school. Devon has to work, so he is taking her out to Monkey Joe's the night before, which is really nice and great. And I am happy that we've seen so much of Devon this episode. Um... I mean, this season, it was nice that he came to Sel's birthday party in the last episode. As I've said, I think they view Devon as, like, a cousin. It's nice when he can come around. I don't think he's ever going to be, like, he's obviously always Nova's father, but I don't think he's ever going to be in a parental role to Nova. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see it happening. But I think it's great if she can have some sort of relationship with him, like a fun older cousin. And I think it's great that he's, like, making an active effort to spend time with her. Um, I'm sure he gets paid per episode (laughs) for Teen Mom, so it's worth his time to come around. But, I mean, I think so with Lewis, and he can't even make it worth his time to come around. So, 
It's nice to see Devon and Nova spending time together. Also, Monkey Joe's is a fun place. Uh, my friend had her child's birthday party there, so I went there. And if you've never been, Monkey Joe's is like... I haven't been to Chuck E. Cheese in a very long time, but I'm assuming it's like a Chuck E. Cheese. It's, it's half arcade, but then also... I've actually been to a couple Monkey Joe's now that I'm thinking about it for children's birthday parties. It's half arcade, but then also like half jungle gym, bouncy castles. So you like run around in socks and you go on like the bouncy castles and it, it's fun. It's fun for kids. Um, and it looked like Nova had a nice time with her dad. And I laughed really hard at Brittany saying it's good that Devon took her instead of uh, Brianna because because Brie has the soul of a fat person and she's too lazy to run around after Nova there. <laughs> that cracked me up. The one thing I did want to talk about was, first of all, I guess Brianna got a minivan. She didn't have that last season. They just, they had a sedan last season. Um, she got a nice, like, it looked like a Toyota minivan. Good for her. Sensible car. But poor little Stella was already forward-facing. <laughs> In Florida, the law is one, but as you guys all know, as the car seat expert and the car safety enthusiast, that was very upsetting to me. She's like a little over a year old. We saw her for a sheer birthday party last week. Um, I just forward face, just rear face her. There's no reason she needed to be forward facing. It's upsetting to see yet another teen mom not you know, understanding car seat, um, car seat safety. But look, just how it's always going to be on this show. <laughs> uh, just how it's always going to be. Nova said a cute thing how she wanted to be a gymnastics when she grew up, which was just made my heart a little happy. And was anybody else like, I know they filmed last year too, but like, I think it's very weird that they're filming in the classroom. I think it's inappropriate. I do not like it. It's, mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't, me no like. Me no like them filming in the classroom. Um, I thought it was inappropriate to, like, even show the shopping center it was in. Shopping center. Isn't that funny? Um, because there are crazy people in this world and we see her school uniform. I'm not sure if they blur out the the name of the school. I'm sure they do. I just didn't notice. But we see her school uniform. They know what city. Like, if, if Brianna had, like, a stalker, they would know where. It would be pretty easy, I'm assuming, to figure out, like, where Nova went to school if you lived in the area. And that just makes me feel, like, icky and unsafe. I don't like it. Just like how I don't understand how a lot of these girls let them show the front of their houses. I would never let them show, like, or when they do the whole fucking drone shot of the aerial view. No, people are crazy. I would never let them show that in much information. If I was a parent, I'd be really pissed to find out that teen mom was filming in my child's first grade classroom. I think it's really inappropriate. I noticed the kids' faces were blurred out, but like I said, I think that makes the school vulnerable in a way that's not fair to Nova or the other students. Because what if somebody that happens to live in Orlando is, like, fucking crazy and obsessed with Brianna Nova and, like, comes to the school because they saw on TV where the fucking school is? You know, they go to Publix, they get a hoagie from Publix, they get a soda, and then they walk over to fucking the school and 
do God knows what. I just, I don't like it. I don't really understand how it benefits the school to allow them to film in there. It's just not right. It's just, it's really not right. Also, I'm like really concerned that there's no playground because they're little and they need to go outside. The little kids need to go outside on the playground. Um, Nova, I did think it was cute when like Brie dropped off Nova and Brie was in the classroom and she was like going to leave and Nova gave her like a nod, like it's it's okay that you leave. Nova's such a little cutie. She's the cutest kid on Teen Mom. Although Ryder K may have uh, Ryder from OG may have surpassed her, but I just love little Nova. She's my little sweetheart. Oh, by the way, I think that Kate and Tyler have moved away from the name Tesley. That's what I saw somewhere. And then yesterday, Kate posted this blanket. Um, and it was like, I can't wait. Th- or thank you so much for whoever made the blanket for sending us these blankets. Uh, this one's for the baby. And I can't wait to show Nova hers or something like that. And the name was kind of covered up. But you could clearly see what looked like to be a V and an A. And I would love if these if Kate and Tyler named their baby like Vita like for my girl or a Vanna, like Vanna White. Is it Veda or Vita for my girl? It's Vita, right? Or is it Veda? Wow, I should watch my girl. Why can't I think of what her fucking name is? Anyway, I know how to spell it, but I can't think of it out, like how you pronounce it. You can't see without his glasses. I can't watch that right now. I would have, as you guys heard for the first 10 minutes of the show, I'd have to just like jump off the deep end if I watched that. But... I would love if they named that baby Vanna. Ugh, I really hope they don't go with Tesley. We're rooting for them. She's only going to be pregnant for the baby's coming within the next like month. So we'll find out. Um, At the end of the episode, they do have this little moment where Bree says that to Nova that Devon wants her to come to her to his house. And Bree said, when you want to go, you can go. Which seems like huge progress, and I'm proud of Brie. She's going to let Nova go to Devon's house for the first time ever. (laughs) Remember, that was like she would never let her go. What a mess. All right, let's go on to Leah. Um, Addie had her first day of kindergarten. She says they didn't get to go on the playground, and they just had to close their eyes. (laughs) Which I thought was weird that they didn't get to go on the playground. I wonder if it was raining or something that day. Um... Addie, I know everybody's, like, obsessed with Addie. I think she's fine. Like, I'm not going to sit here and talk shit on a child. I'm not in the mood to do that. But I'm not, like, she's not one of my favorites. But I did think that was cute. Um, I also think that they have a lot of issues with Addie. And we're supposed to think of her behavioral issues as cute. And it's not really that cute to me. Like, last week, Addie was saying that, like, she was scared. She kept saying she was scared she was going to get in trouble at school. Her sisters kept saying she was going to get in trouble at school. Leah said something like, let's hope she doesn't trip the teacher this year. And then they, like, laughed about it. And I'm kind of concerned that no... I feel like Addie is really bad and her behavior gets put as sassy. And everybody kind of, like, laughs at it and encourages it because it's sassy. But, like, to me it's a little yikes. And they need to, like, nip that in the butt a little. And I think that Leah is completely unable to do it. And she doesn't really see Jeremy very often. Uh, So, I, I mean, God bless a child raised just by Leah is all I have to say. I think, uh, I think Grace 
and Allie really benefit from getting to go to Corey's house and having some uh, rules put in place by Corey and Miranda that maybe Leah does not enforce at her home. And I think, like, Addie acts up, and then they, like, laugh about it, and that concerns me. And that's not Addie's fault. Like, she's five. You know, but, like, I feel like if my kid was tripping the teacher and was, like, continuously saying they were scared they were going to get in trouble for being bad at school, like, I would be a little more concerned than lackadaisical about it. Oh, also, did anybody notice in last week's episode that Allie called Gracie Aaliyah? (laughs) This is, like, the least important thing I could ever talk about on this podcast. My podcast is very important information and facts and events. But I noticed when Corey was talking to them about, like, if they wanted to be in separate classes or not, that she said, I like to be with Aaliyah. Like, she said something about seeing Aaliyah, and I was pretty surprised because... I didn't think really any of them called her Aaliyah, but I wonder if Leah calls her Aaliyah a little more. I think I think Corey was the one that really started the Grace stuff because I remember when it she first kind of started popping up as Grace, that it was like mostly from Corey and his dad. His dad's pretty active on Instagram. Um and I remember like their boat was named Allie Grace, like way back when, and being like, Really Grace? And then she started going by Grace. So maybe Leah calls her Aaliyah more. Ugh. Aaliyah. What a name. What a name. Um, But yeah. Also, I feel like Allie is, I mean, Gracie's getting a lot of heat online and that's sad to me. Um, I'm going to have somebody on the podcast who can speak a little more to this in the next couple weeks. Uh, But I just think, like, she's getting a lot of unnecessary heat. I think Gracie has a really unique and sad position that she's in in which she loves her sister but also like I think it's probably hard being twins to get your own identity anyway and then I think Grace like just wants to separate herself from her disabled sister and I don't really blame an eight-year-old for wanting to do that I can't imagine how hard it is to like have a twin that's bullied for something that isn't their fault but then also be associated with that when you're eight years old um poor Gracie I think Grace has a tough go at it and I think people are like too hard on her and I don't I don't think Grace acts that poorly like I know I was just talking about about Addie and how she acts but I think like Grace is more frustrated and none of the adults in her life like do a very good job with honoring her frustration and working out her frustration I also think they get a they let Allie get away with a lot of anger towards Gracie which I also understand why she has that because it's not fair that Gracie gets to be normal in quotation marks and she doesn't um oh I'm also wildly concerned about the lack of (laughs) as always put this on my tombstone where the fuck is Allie's wheelchair in the last episode they talked about the fact that one so they've always talked about great Allie not eating at lunch and they made it sound like last year that the issue was is that she physically like couldn't eat in time but then Leah brought up something that like she couldn't carry her own tray of food because she was scared she would drop it and that's why she needs the aid and I'm just like what is going on like get this girl in her wheelchair like she can't carry her own food at school like I don't know. I'm glad she's an aide. It's really sad that, like, the... I 
I can't imagine how frustrating it is for Corey and Leah. You know, I think a lot of their issues are the fact that they live in rural West Virginia, probably in a poor school district, and the school district, like, simply is not equipped to handle Allie. And they probably have a lot of trouble with the funds to make school better for Allie. And that sucks for Corey and Leah. Um, when Leah said that she wanted to get a special needs advocate, a lawyer, to sit on their IEP meetings, it's like, fucking finally. Um, I thought it was great that Corey agreed with her. Did you guys notice that Leah was wearing, like, a heavy winter sweater when they filmed that scene? <laughs> like, Leah <laughs> was in a winter sweater. And we're supposed to believe this is August. Like, that shit was... That shit was a refilm if I've ever seen one. Um, a lot of people have commented about Leah's boyfriend Jason's house and how, like, amazing it is. Wouldn't you guys remember they live in West Virginia? Like, it's a, it's a pretty house, but he doesn't live in a mansion. That house isn't, like, a million-dollar home. Like, people are like, oh, well, he must be great. He has a huge house. It's like, guys, let's all take a breath. Um, I would also like to comment that Jason, Leah's boyfriend, has what I would call dime eyes. He has very small and close together eyes, and it makes him very ugly. And that is a really rude comment. And you, I would say I don't often comment on people's looks on this show. It's not something that I'm, I really care about much about. I mean, like, I know I call Stefan ugly from TMYP because he is. By the way, did we talk about the fact that Lexi was cut from TMYP? Because she was too boring. (laughs) I feel, like, indifferent towards it. Like, if Lexi was coming back, I'd be like, oh, cool, Lexi's back. But, like, Lexi not coming back, I'm like, okay, no more Lexi. (laughs) Like, I truly don't care. Apparently, they started filming some girl named Kaya. Not Kaya. Kaya, who lives in Virginia. So, we'll see how that goes. Um, Lexi was definitely the most boring part of last season. It's not, like... It's not even that she had nothing going on. It's that she was so dull on screen. And her and Kyler are both, like, charisma suckers. Amber, her mother, is the only person in her scenes that has any charisma. And you know what? She's got, she's got it in spades, if I do say so myself. But Lexi and Kyler are both so dull. I'm, like, not surprised at all that they didn't bring them back. Anyway, I'm off topic. Um, Yeah, Leah's boyfriend is ugly. And, like I said, I never want this to be a podcast that... It's just, like, all about bashing people's looks. I don't think, first of all, it's funny to make pe- fun of people's appearances. Like, like I'm fat. I'm not that pretty. Like, I <laughs> I don't... I understand where I am in life, so I'm not going to, like, sit here and act like I'm some fucking knockout that, like, is better looking than everybody on this show. And not that... Although I'm a strong believer in that ugly people are allowed to call... Like, I hate when you're, like... Someone's like, well, let's see what you look like. It's like, okay, so I'm fat and ugly and I can't... Does that mean that I can't see that they're fat and ugly too? Um, anyway, I don't love to make fun of people's looks is what I'm saying. And even though I go into a fugue state when I record these and I have literally no idea what I've ever talked about on this entire show when it comes to people's looks, um, I hope that I don't often comment on them. But Jason's dime eyes make me uncomfortable. Did I take Dime Eyes from the show Cougar Town? Yes, I did. Will I watch Cougar Town after I record this? Maybe I will. You guys should all watch it. It's very funny. I think it's streaming on Hulu right now. Don't let the name turn you off. Um, so Jason says that he's like, he'll be there for any meeting that Leah needs to have with the 
the IEP specialist or the special needs advocate. And I'm like, okay, slow it down. Um, they break up a court, like if we're following the timeline, they break up like shortly after the first day of school. So I'm really hoping that we get to see that on the show. Um, I also am very curious about when she moves in with him because I'm pretty sure she's already living with him, even though she says she's not. I also noticed last week when she was talking to Addie and she's like, I'll miss you on Fridays. We won't get to hang out. And Addie's like, you can hang out with Jason. Um, I thought that made it very clear that Jason is already like very intertwined in their lives, you know, for somebody that she'd been seeing for less than six months at that point. Um, I did like the talk that Leah had with the IP or the, why can't I think of what she's called every time I talk about it? The special needs advocate. It was like sad to learn that, um, that it took them like a whole year to get a rail in the bathroom. God, they need to move to somewhere with like, with a better funded school or send her to private school. Um, she was saying like how frustrated she was. Finally, I feel like this conversation gave more, gave more insight into why they were so frustrated about the aid changing. Um, because to me, like, I was like, I mean, she got a new aid. Like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I understand, like, it's hard. Allie was used to the old aid. But when Leah was like, you know, she has to help her go to the bathroom. I was like, okay, I get why you would, like, really need somebody that you're comfortable with. Um, and that it is a shame that Allie, like got really comfortable with someone and then they lost her. But at the same time, like, can they put princess, if you're listening, can you let me know? Can you put in the IEP that there has to be the same aid every year? Like, I don't know how, does the school, like, if somebody quits, they quit. Like, if somebody wants to move schools, they move schools. Like, if an aid has to be transferred to another school, like, I feel like, can you put that in an IEP that she's required to have the same aid? I would imagine it goes in the IEP that she's required to have an aid, but I can't imagine that they can require the same aid. I don't know. I wonder if private schools are, like, if there are private schools in their area that could maybe better suit Allie and her needs. Although I understand they don't want to just send Allie to her own school. There's also been some chitter chatter in my teen mom discussion areas about Addie goes to the same school as the twins. So where is Leah living now in relation to Corey and the girls' school? Although it's just very possible they have a very large school district. There's also a little confusion, like my part too. I, I don't have any answers to this about why it seems like they're all three of them are like on different buses. Like it's a, it seems like she, Leah drives Addie, but not the other girl. It all seems a little confusing about like, if they're all going to the same school, I'm assuming that Allie has to ride like the short, I mean, she said the lift bus, which is like a short bus, um, that can get the wheelchair to school. Have I talked about on this podcast that I rode a short bus for four years? Like, because I went to a very small private schools for kids with learning disabilities. Like, so when I say short bus, I don't like mean as an insult. Like I rode a literal short bus and Allie probably does too. So I'm assuming Allie and Ad Allie and Gracie probably take different buses to school, but then does do Grace and Addie take the same bus? When the girls are at Leah's house, does do they go to the same bus stop? Does Leah drive them to the same bus stop that they do when they live at Corey's? Here's the thing. I have, like, these such specific questions that we will never get answers to. <laughs> 
that I'm sure there will never be answers to. I also noticed at the beginning of last episode, Leah like quickly mentions that her custody schedule with Corey has changed. So for the first week of school, they're going to Corey's house. And I wonder if that means that she's getting them every other week now because she used to get them. It was always, not always, but like since the big custody upheaval during the drug issues, uh, Corey got the girls Monday through Thursday. And then I think she got them Friday through Sunday. And that was because like she couldn't be trusted to get the girls to school. So I wonder if they have moved custody around and she get like, and they're doing one week on one week off, which, you know, if that's the case, like good for Leah, if, if the girls can be over there and get to school and Leah can like ensure that they're getting to their appointments and their activities and like she should have them half the time. But I wonder if that is what's going on. So she always said she had like 50-50 custody of them, but like the way they're, she had almost equal time. But the way it was set up, it was, like, specifically because Corey and the courts, like, couldn't ensure that she would get the girls to school. So, you know, that would be, like, a really big step for her if she has them during the week. I'll have to look into that this week. Um. So, yeah, I hope that things with Allie and her, uh, her special needs advocate will help. I don't know why they waited so long to call. Corey was like, yeah, well, we're young and we don't know everything. And it's like, yeah. I mean, you want to say it's like because they're rural and they don't like, they don't have the education to know they should get an advocate. But like they are in a unique situation in which they're quite rich. <laughs> oh, Leah, Leah, Leah. Um, I also thought she looked high when she was calling the lawyer. But I can't decide if that's because MTV was filming her at a very weird angle. They were, like, she was sitting at, like, a kitchen counter, and it was like they were, like, under the island, like, (laughs) filming up at her, and then her head was drooped down, so I wonder if I was just, like, getting the feeling like she was nodding a little bit because of, like, the angle they were shooting at. But you guys know I think Leah still takes pills. It's just under control now. I do think she's doing better. I mean, like, I don't think anybody can deny that Leah's doing better. The fact is, like, she doesn't seem to drive high with the girls. Addie hasn't had to be brought home by the police lately. And she is allowed to take them to activities. So, like, obviously she's doing better. I just think that Leah still likes her pills, you know, and, like, takes maybe an extra Xanax here or there. Oh, Leah, Leah, Leah. Okay, Chelsea had maybe her worst episode ever. Do you, like, is it possible that such little could happen in one episode? Nothing. Nothing happened. Literally. Chelsea thought her water broke. They couldn't tell if her water broke. So they drove to the hospital and her didn't, her water didn't break. Her body's lubing her up for delivery she was 33 weeks pregnant so it would have been really bad if she went into labor um I think Aubrey was six weeks early when she was born right Aubrey came pretty early Watson came at like 37 weeks so and she I think had to stay the night in the hospital once with Lane because she was having some preterm labor stuff so she was concerned it was good they went to the hospital did anybody else think that Cole was wearing a Bill Cosby shirt was I like saw his shirt and my mouth dropped and I was like okay if I'm 
if I'm being honest, I'm going to get, like, really vulnerable with you guys. I was giddy because I thought Cole was stupid enough to wear Bill Cosby shirt on Teen Mom. And I was like, how has nobody talked about this all week? Because obviously I watched this, like, super late in the week. And I was like, holy shit, holy shit, Cole supports Bill Cosby. And I'm going to get to get on my little internet, to get on my little podcast, and rant about the fact that Cole supports a serial rapist who's evil. By the way, I just read an article today about how popular Bill Cosby is in prison. And, like, I can't believe anybody would think otherwise. I'm sure he's, like, got... First of all, he's a celebrity. Second of all, the guards probably grew up watching him. Fuck Bill Cosby. But I was, like, giddy in the drama anticipation. And then we got a better look at it. And there was somebody on his shirt, but it was a white guy, but he was wearing a Phil Cosby shirt. Like, a, a Cosby sweater, which, by the way, we can't call those Cosby sweaters anymore. My One of my girlfriends and I were out shopping, and I, like, pulled a sweater, and I was, we were, like, looking at it, and I was like, what do we call this? And she was, and like, she knew exactly what I meant. She was like, I don't know. I was like, we can't, we just can't call it a Cosby sweater anymore. And she's like, no, we cannot. I was like, should we call it a CS? And she was like, for Cosby sweater? I was like, yeah. And she's like, no, we, we this can't have anything to do with Bill Cosby. But, like, I mean, we all know what I mean when I say he was wearing a Cosby sweater, right? (laughs) So whoever was on Cole's shirt, which he was wearing the whole episode, was wearing a Cosby sweater, but it wasn't Bill Cosby. But think of the fucking drama we would have if Cole wore a fucking Bill Cosby shirt. Ugh. I'm actually mad at him for not doing it. (laughs) That was the most exciting part for me of this, of uh, Chelsea's segments. Also, I wasn't sure why they brought Watson to the hospital with them if they really thought that Chelsea was going to labor, considering Mary, Grandma Mary, was at the house with them. Somebody online said, like, maybe she went to go get Aubrey, but, like, why wouldn't she just take Watson with her to get Aubrey? I thought it was very weird that they would, like, if they genuinely thought, like, Chelsea was probably going into labor, like, why would they bring the baby? What were they going to do with him if Chelsea, like, went into labor? Oh, it was weird, right? Was I the only one who thought that? Especially, I mean, I would understand if they'd been, like, alone at their house. Like, you gotta do what you gotta do. But, like, Mary was literally at their home and they, like, said bye to her <laughs> to go get, to go to the hospital. Um, I understood why she went to the hospital. I probably would have went to the hospital, too, if I thought my water broke and I wasn't sure. It's very dangerous if your water breaks and you don't know and you ignore it. Um, So, yeah, I get it. Okay, should we go to Janelle? Oh, by the way, at the end of Chelsea's last segment, we get that weird, out-of-place domestic violence ad that MTV does. Not ad, like info information thing. Um, And I wasn't, well, I knew what was going to happen, but... Jess in the group chat was watching it live and she's like, huh, we just got a weird domestic violence information thing. And then we find out later why they played that. But like, there's nothing about domestic violence. So it was very weird. It was like when, remember when Ryan drove high before the wedding? Of course, we all remember it. It was like the most disturbing scene to ever be on Teen Mom. But they showed one of those, like, if you were anyone you know suffering from addiction, like, clips but the way that they do these clips, because they, or like, air things in a certain order, like, they show the clip, but then, like, the domestic violence clip or, like, the 
the addiction clip like doesn't come until like a little bit afterwards so you're like huh like nothing I remember watching I was like and I must have been watching that episode live I think I did I think I did watch that episode live and I was like why are they playing that that's weird and then we see Ryan Dragon High like five minutes later and at the end of Chelsea's, we got that domestic violence thing, and it just seems so out of place because, like, nothing in that episode had been about that. So, it's post-Hurricane Florence, and she says, it was my weekend with both Kaiser and Jace, so all the kids were there. Now, I believe around the hurricane, I made a big thing about why the fuck Barb would evacuate with Jace or without Jace. Um, I still think it's fucking crazy that she did it. People online were like, she had to. It was Jace's weekend. Um, if I was Barbara, I would say, okay, so take me to court. <laughs> I would have absolutely, I would never have evacuated without Jace. I think it's insane that she dropped Janelle off to that house and didn't evacuate with him. It made zero sense to me. It was just so, it was so crazy. Um, so Janelle Barb, Janelle Barb go to lunch and Janelle looks crazy in this scene. Like, what the fuck was up with Janelle in this scene? She had her hair down, but had this like, um, had a hat on, but it was like, it must have been David's hat. It looked so big on her. Like, she looked, it looked, it was very much like a dad hat, like a hat my dad would wear. And she just, she looked crazy. Like, I don't know if she was high. I mean, I think Janelle's always high. Um, But they really didn't give... Barbara didn't justify the fact that she dropped Jace off for this. Like, thank God all the kids were okay, but... It it makes me insane. And then they talk about the fact that Doris was like, Hey, you should bring Kaiser here. Like, I think it's safer here. Which, yeah, it is, because Doris lives inland in South Carolina, and they were much further out of the path than Janelle was. And Janelle was like, um, Doris was like, okay, well, I'm just extending the olive branch. Apparently, Nate, like, didn't even talk to Janelle, which, of course. And Janelle says that, she's like, she's trying to insinuate that she could take care, better care of a hurricane than, of Kaiser during a hurricane than I can. It's like the dog could take better care of Kaiser during a hurricane than Janelle. But Janelle's lack of self-awareness strikes again. Strikes always will never not strike. <laughs> Barb was like, how would you even get to Doris's house? The roads were closed. Barb is really like anti-Doris this season. And it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Um, Janelle. <laughs> Janelle said. This is literally insane. She says, we were really prepared, no offense, but we were doomsday prepping why the whole Kim Jong-un thing was happening. So we were prepared. (laughs) There's so many layers here. First of all, I am obsessed with doomsday. Well, not anymore. I went through a time where I was like really obsessed with doomsday preppers and my ex-boyfriend and I, because we had cable at the time, so we would watch um, a ton of Discovery Channel reality TV, which I've talked about on here before. And it's, like, reality TV for boys. Even though, like, we watched Team Mom, and, I mean, he loved all of my my shows, too, which is why we stayed together for so long. But, like, he loved Team Mom and Housewives and Vanderpump and all that stuff. 
But we also, like, were obsessed with the boy reality TV shows, of which were, like, Whale Wars. I didn't like The Deadliest Catch that much, but we watched Deadliest Catch. That was, like, my compromise. Um, There was a Moonshiner show, which I can't think of the name of. It might have just been called Moonshiners, that I loved. And then, of course, there was Doomsday Preppers, which I fucking loved and I should probably seek out and watch more of I'm sure Discovery Channel has an app that I can use with a cable login I loved Doomsday Preppers I loved how crazy everybody was on there we would watch like a whole marathon of it and I'd be like should we be Doomsday Prepping (laughs) I'm very susceptible like all I have to do is watch like four episodes of something I'm like okay let's go I'm on board (laughs) um So when Janelle said, I love that she says no offense, but we were doomsday prepping. And it's like, no offense to who? (laughs) What is that? No offense. I don't, I don't understand why she said no offense. Like it didn't, made, made no sense to me. (laughs) Oh, and that Janelle and David (laughs) were watching the news (laughs) and were worried about North Korea. Oh, I love it. They didn't trust in President Trump to save us from North Korea. I don't even really remember what happened. Didn't Dennis Rodman save us from North Korea? God, I it's just like of all things that they were doomsday prepping. And she said prepping. There was no G on that. That she was doomsday prepping for like chef's kiss. That is probably like my favorite thing that Janelle has ever said on this fucking show. And she said a lot of really good stuff, but she looked crazy. Her eyes were, like, unfocused. She's, like, sunburned. She has that hat on. And then she starts talking about doomsday prepping. I mean, (laughs) (sighs) hilarious. Uh, We also found out that they lost power for four to five days and their roof started leaking. And Janelle was like, and then I was scared that that my floor was going to collapse, but I guess insurance is going to come and fix everything. Um, I can't believe that her house is still standing after that hurricane, considering that her house is sinking. It's totally sinking. So, the next scene for Janelle is Barbara Janelle and the kids, Ensley, Jace, was Kaiser there? Ensley was definitely there. Go to the pumpkin patch. Now, if you guys know, well, you might not know this, but the pumpkin patch, just so you know, was filmed the day after uh, the 911 call. If that puts into perspective the seriousness of the injuries in the fight, I guess I'll say. Um, That was, like, remember reports came out because we didn't find out about the 911 call until, like, a week later. Um, And I think we, like, I don't know. We we can see that, like, she's standing. You know what I mean? Like, she's not bruised all over. Like, she didn't have a broken collarbone. Um, I'm not saying, like, David didn't attack her. I'm just saying, like... I think, like, for weeks and months afterwards, people, like, still, people will post online and be like, does it look like Janelle's collarbone's broken? I'm just, like, Janelle's collarbone was never broke. Um, but I'm sure her, what I, personally, what I think happened is that they were wasted. David probably tried to leave. Janelle was like, you can't leave. And then he tackled her and scared the shit out of her and hit her. Um, I think that's, they probably had a lot of fights like that. Uh, because... In it, you hear her say, like, he left, he left, he called, he left with his friend, I don't know where he is. I wouldn't be surprised if David wanted to go out and party, Janelle flipped out, 
and didn't want him to leave and then he got like crazy aggressive with her and um but basically what i'm trying to say is like so the pumpkin patch was filmed that day after which puts in so we see this pumpkin patch scene it looks great and then it's the day after that and that's why it's so important to remember that this 911 call happened beforehand because david texted kristen the producer and basically said like I'm going to come and ruin the shoot if you keep filming with Ensley. Like, fuck you guys. I'm going to come make a mess. You're not allowed to film with my daughter. Like, I'm going to shut down production because he knows if he shows up, they have to stop filming. Um, And was, like, threatening Kristen and the producers, essentially. Which is so scary in the context that they had such a violent fight the night before that Janelle either thought her collarbone was broken or, like, thought she was, you know felt hurt enough that she had to call 911. Um, she did end up going to the hospital. She drove herself to the hospital. She didn't take the ambulance. And then she was released that night. Uh, but she obviously, like, was hurt enough that she called 911. And then the next day, he is, like, flipping out at production. Like, David is so scary. He scares me so much. There's no way that, like, that was their first, that was the first fight they've had like that. I wonder if that was the worst fight they had had, and that's why Janelle decided to call 911, or I wonder if it was because she was drunk and her inhibitions were lowered and she wasn't thinking about, like, the consequences of calling 911. And by consequences, I mean that there's no way Janelle ever in her life will be able to call 911 and it won't get out to, like, TMZ or whoever picks up the story. And Janelle knows that, which is why, like, it is a pretty big deal for her to call 911 especially on David. So I'm wondering if like maybe this wasn't even nearly the worst fight that they had, but she was drunk and kind of made an impulsive decision to finally like try and protect herself um and wasn't thinking about like what will happen if she does and how we'll all find out. So it's like it's just really scary to think that like the next day after this happened, like, after his wife called 911 on him, that he was then, like, flipping out at MTV. Janelle does... <laughs> I'm laughing because it's so creepy. She does the creepiest laugh when Kristen brings this up. And she's like, <laughs> no, no, he's joking, he's joking. She looks high again in this scene, like, just, like, out of her skull. Like, she's, like... I don't even know if highs are the right word for it. She looks like she's, like, disassociating. Like, she's just, like, detached from... Her brain is, like, detached from the rest of her body. And she's, like, no, he was just, like, mad that... Because we haven't gone to the pumpkin patches of the family. And, like, he's just mad that, like, it was not going to be on MTV before, like, we got to do it as a family. So he was, like, you know what? I'm just going to mess with them. He's joking. He's joking. (laughs) Oh my god. David and Janelle are... They're not in a great place. And then we hear the 911 call over Black. Um, Unfortunately, like, I wasn't very affected by hearing the 911 call because I'd already heard it. Um, Like, the drama of it wasn't very high to me. What I'm most interested in is how Barb is going to react to this. Because Barb and Janelle are still getting along, as we see. So clearly she didn't, like pushback about against David for this um but yeah I mean I've 
I'm absolutely worried for Janelle. I'm very worried because Janelle is also like a very impulsive person and she's somebody that can't stop fighting with people. And so it like really worries me one day if she goes up against David, like she, like we've seen her do with all of her boyfriends that she's not going to be able to defend herself and she could end up dead. Like it, it is real that David could kill Janelle. Like it's really real. It's scary and it's real, but there's like, there's nothing anybody can do about it. She's not leaving him, at least not right now. Um, she's of course changed her story again this week. She's not talking about the fire pit anymore. Right after this happened, she was like, I fell in a fire pit. And it's like, no, you didn't. And then she said, like, she said this week, like, she's just mad that everybody's trying to make David feel bad, but we're married and we have fights and we get through them. And I can't imagine, I, this is something I've never understood about Janelle and I don't, I've always wondered, like, what it's actually like in Janelle's brain and what it's like to be, like, Janelle says, on the 911 call. Like, my husband attacked me. I think he broke my collarbone. He pinned me down. I heard it crack. I'm really scared. Um, I wonder what it's like to have those words in the public. And then when she tells us, like, that never happened, it's weird because it's like Janelle has two options where if it didn't happen, which, I mean, is always possible. This is Janelle. If it didn't happen... Or if it didn't happen like she said it did, she'd have to admit that she was lying when she called 911. I don't mean to laugh, but it's just like, it would be so crazy to have to admit that. Or if she's telling the truth, then like she has to sit here and pretend like she never said that. It's so, I can't, I, re- I can't imagine being in that position. I can't, I truly can't imagine what it's like to be an abuse victim on a reality TV show, you know, and having your like domestic violence fights and your 911 pleas for help like played out on TV and in the tabloids is a level of darkness I truly can't I I honestly can't wrap my head around. Um I don't have that much more to say on it. If when there was an episode if you're new to feathers in my hair that I talked about this pretty extensively in my thoughts and feelings on it and about how Janelle's not a perfect victim. And that can make it really hard to, like, talk about this situation. But after the 911 call came out, I did, like, a whole a whole segment on it. So I don't, I don't think I need to, like, talk – after I just talked about it for 20 minutes. I don't need to, like, get that much more deep into it. But it's, it's sad and it's scary. Like, of course I'm worried for Janelle. I've been worried for Janelle for years and years with every boyfriend she has. And this – David's – I don't know. I don't know if David's any more scary than Nate, but – I'd say David's as scary as the rest of them, and they're all scary to me. Okay, let's go on to Kale. Last but not least, maybe least. Um, They go to cake testing for Lux's birthday, which seems pretty extravagant for a first birthday party, but obviously it was, like, all paid for. And it was, you know, by not by MTV. It was probably free because they went there. Uh, Kale's a friend come over, and she's, like, burning sage and talking about Chris And she says things are good with him, but they are what they are. She says she's not dating anyone else, and he says he's not dating anyone else. Um, But she doesn't trust him, and that they're in this cycle. And she's like, I'm, can you be addicted to a person? And she admits that she's, like, addicted to the chaos. And her friend's like, okay, so when are you going to stop that? And Kale's like, probably never. (laughs) 
Like, why wouldn't her friends say, like, why don't you go to therapy? If one of my friends told me that, I'd be like, do you have a therapist? Like, not like you can't talk to me, but like, or do you have a therapist? Are you working on this? It's, I can't imagine like having a friend like tell me all of that shit. And like, my first response is not like, you should go to therapy or you should go to adult children of alcoholics. <laughs> like, ugh. It, Kale's getting the self awareness, but she's not doing anything to help herself, which is like, ugh, it's a frustrating. So, it's Lux's first birthday party, and they don't film the first half of the party because Chris and all his family is there, but then they leave and MTV films the rest. Kale's like, these decorations aren't going to pay for themselves, MTV. Come film, please. There was some drama about this party and the decorations because they were going to do one theme, and Kale got a bunch of decorations, like, sent to her from, you know, like, somebody on Instagram sends them for free with, like, the under with the agreement, like, but you'll post these and tag me. Um, which can be good exposure for a small Instagram business. And then they changed the theme, like, at the last minute from, I don't, from one thing to another. And so she didn't use, like, a bunch of the stuff that got sent to her for free. And then Kale's assistant, like, was really unprofessional with the Instagram store that was like, hey, you didn't, uh, like, hold up our end of the bargain. And then Kale, like, I guess then promised to post them anyway on her story, but didn't. There was, like, drunk. It's, like... How can there be drama with a one-year-old's birthday party that's in your backyard? <laughs> oh, oh. So she goes to New York the next day to do a podcast with Kate and Tyler, which I listened to, and I think I probably talked about it on here. She said she really wanted to talk to Tyler about his dad. And I'm like, does everybody forget that April was, like, a violent drug addict and alcoholic Caitlin's whole life? I feel like we only talk about Butch and, like, never talk about April and how bad she was and how awful it was for Kate. Um, Kale talks to a producer about her mom and her mom's drinking because Kale's just, like, been missing her mom and thinking about her mom. And it was really, really sad. She said, like, when she was Isaac's age, her mom would just, like, disappear for a week and she had the numbers memorized of all the bars that her mom went to. And she would call the bars and they'd be like, yeah, she was here and she knew she'd be, like, then her mom would come home in, like, a couple days. Like, that's sad as fuck. That's, it's honestly, like, I know we rag on Kale a lot, and Kale deservedly gets dragged, and she deserves it a lot of the time, but then she says something like that, and I'm like, you know, Kale's ended up pretty okay, all things considered. Considering, like, how fucked up that is, like, to be nine years old, and you're calling bars to see if your mom is there, like, (laughs) you're pretty good. You're pretty good considering, like, her life would be a lot, a lot, a lot worse. Um, so they filmed the podcast, and I honestly, like, can't really talk about this because I completely zoned out during it because I listened to the podcast. (laughs) And I was like, I already heard all this. I don't care. Like, that's, I don't, so I don't like it when they have the podcast on the show because usually if one of the teen moms is on, I'll, like, I'll listen to the podcast because those are ones that are interesting to me. So... I don't know. They talk about, like, how Kale wants to find, isn't sure if her mom even knows if she has a third kid, how she isn't sure if she should get in touch with her or not. Um, They talk about how Kale doesn't think addiction is a disease, which, like, duh, of course she doesn't. Of course she doesn't. Because Kale's biggest issue is that she has very little empathy. Well, not her biggest issue. An issue that Kale has is that she has very little empathy. And that's what makes her so hard to watch and so hard to root for is that she is so hardened 
that she seems to be completely unable to just like feel for anybody else and that's very sad but yeah that's it for this week's episode um I don't know. I'm sorry that I cried for the first 10 minutes, but I'm also not sorry that I cried for the first 10 minutes because this is my podcast and it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Um, Come follow me on my feathers, my hair, Instagram, EBP underscore feathers. I love talking to you guys on there. I message, I DM with you guys all the time. It's fun. I like when you guys tag me and stuff. I like when you leave me comments. It's nice to talk to you guys. Have a good week. I will see you next week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos